2: We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen.
0: Let's go.
1: What is up, everybody? The Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 31. We are rolling along and the Yankees just are rolling out of Atlanta. Thank goodness for Atlanta because the Yankees needed that. Scott, what is up?
2: yeah you know, uh, I think he, thankfully they they have a just a completely inept pitching staff, and uh, we saw their ace on Sunday and he didn't really look too much like one. Good timing, very good timing for for this team and uh, good timing for us too because I think at the beginning of the week we were ready for just another another episode of just of just depression and and, and nitpicking and, and all these things. So at least we're uh, we're kind of coming into this with on a good note.
1: Yeah, so uh, I, I definitely agree. I, it was much needed and much needed for me because I was sick of watching all that that bull crap the Yankees were putting out earlier this week. But uh, how was your weekend?
2: I had a good weekend. It was a, it was the first weekend of football for me because I had two fantasy football drafts, uh, two of my big ones. I'm in way too many leagues. I'm in I'm in like three paid leagues, uh, four actually, because Bronx Penn State, so We have uh, a league now as well that we started last year. So, four leagues, which is entirely too much, it takes up way too much time, but I absolutely love it, and i 'm obsessed with it so so yeah, it was the, it was kind of the first first week of, of football for me because we you know we got to pick our teams for for two of my leagues and how did it go? I think it went pretty well you know uh, on Saturday, so on Saturday, I get the, the boys together at my house, and we do a, a live draft, which is always fun. And um, we do a, a little bit of a unique spin on the on the fantasy football draft, kind of a throwback. But we do no technology during the draft itself. Like the only technology we have is like a Google Doc where we uh, that I put up on my on my TV, and we you know update for the um, the draft results. But everybody else, you have to come in with either uh, you know pen and paper, notebook, no no no, no computers, no laptops, no phones. Can't Google anything no alerts like that's it, well, that makes and, um, sense
1: because there was probably no technology when you started playing fantasy football, right
2: there was zero technology when we started, yeah <laughs> thank you. it was none, but yeah, when we when, when fantasy football first was started, it was pen and paper baby but it's it's just kind of fun because you have to do your research and it's a little bit more challenging obviously so um. So what we do though, which is like the I think the most fun part of it, is that uh, every year I get a, a like a bottle of bourbon or a bottle of something. Like this year we had a, a, a bottle of, um, uh, of of rum. It was a it was a decent bottle of rum and a bottle of tequila. So we had options. So but we put that out on my coffee table and that's like the penalty box. So if you pick someone that's already been picked, if you pick someone that's injured, whether you know it or not, it's just that's that's a penalty. Uh, if your time elapses. Um, if someone, if your time elapses, then someone picks in front of you. They hopscotch you, like the Vikings, like it happened with the Vikings. You have to take a shot, and um, so it, it gets definitely interesting going into the later rounds when people aren't paying attention as much and they and they start picking people that that were uh, that were already taken. Um, so uh, so yeah, the bottle was empty by the end of the night. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna
1: say rounds like nine through whatever <clears throat> the end of the draft must be pretty interesting.
2: Yeah. And, you know, of course, we're we're at my house and I have my puppy like running around like a crazy dog. And I think in the eighth round after I've taken three shots because I wasn't scratching people off my list every single time because I'm paying attention to the dog. I put her up in the in her crate so that I could pay attention. But yeah, she got me. She was worth at least three shots for me
1: yeah I had my draft last weekend I think we talked about that and it, it's one of those I, I know we drafted too early because all these guys are getting injured um, you know Jordy Nelson injured Randall Cobb there was an injury scare so right. it's one of those things where I'm just praying my team does not get injured because I'm actually excited about my team this year I think I'm going to be pretty good and uh, it'll be pretty disappointing if, if you know if Adrian Peterson who is my number one pick go, goes down again
2: yeah, and I think this year um so we drafted this year this weekend which was a little earlier than we usually do because we usually go right before the season but you know now that nobody ever plays in the fourth preseason game it's you know it's just practice so unless something crazy happens in practice um hopefully injuries can be avoided but you know, I, you're seeing a lot more injuries now because I think the, um, the new CBA and the, with the players, um, how they bargain down less practice time. I mean, this is a big debate, I think, amongst the, the NFL and, and watching football. But you're seeing a lot more guys go down. And, and to me, it's because they're not getting as many reps and they're not on the field as much. So um, you're seeing more injuries, I think, and more non-contact injuries, too. Well, those are the bad ones. When, when those when are the guy, bad ones. Yeah, when a guy goes down... Like Jordy went down,
1: just yeah. no, no one within ten feet of him. You're like, up, oh, that's it, ACL, done for the season. You just yeah, it looks like
2: they got sh- like sniped coming in, just out in the middle of the field. Yeah. But um yeah, like like you said, I'm I'm hopeful. Um I, I think I have a good team. I, I like um I'm more of a potential guy. Like you didn't know that. But I, I'm a I'm a very big potential guy and I like drafting young players as well and I, I pay more attention to systems um and opportunities than I do like what they've done in the past. I mean obviously I take all that into consideration, but I think the systems can, can really turn out big players. So you stay away
1: from the jet system, right?
2: Yeah, I actually don't have anybody on the Jets. I have the Jets defense because I do believe in that. Um, But the uh, the no not 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 many offensive players. I think I did take Brandon Marshall just because he was a huge value at one point. But um, but yeah, so you know, like guys like Latavius Murray. uh, I'm 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 excited about Brandon Cooks. So I think he's gonna have a monster season. Um, So yeah, Cooks. Yeah, so I think, I mean, they got to throw the ball to somebody, right? And it's one of the highest passing offenses in the league. Um, and I think Bruce, Breeze was was uh, not very healthy last year. So I think we're going to see a nice little tick up from them.
1: Yeah, Sean Payton is one of those guys. He just runs an offense that you know is going to put up points. So right. always safe to pick someone on their team for, for fantasy. So I was in Atlantic City this weekend. Uh, have you ever been to AC?
2: I have. I was there for a bachelor party
1: uh, about ten years ago. Funny, it was ugly. Funny you say that because I saw probably fifty bachelor and bachelorette parties uh, in just two days. Just that's everybody was there for that exact reason. Yep. Um, you know, girls walking around with matching shirts and and matching. You know, the girl was wearing the veil and everything. Right. One girl, one one group of girls was wearing uh, tank tops that said, "He gave her a reason to go Parisian." <laughs> um, just, just the just the worst kind of people down there uh, but it was a fun weekend uh, definitely enjoyed it
2: I mean it's 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 debacker is what it is that weekend usually when you go there you're going there for not good purposes most of the time and you know it's either gambling or just you know you're gonna completely binge and probably both so and uh, and definitely w- when you're on those trips a lot of times you find some a uh, little bit of trouble yeah
1: so i'd been to vegas a few times I-, I love vegas it's um it's one of those things where you do it once a year and that's enough. You don't need to go back for another twelve months. Right. I wasn't quite sure what I was going to get out of Atlantic City. Everyone had said, you know, it's just a trashy Vegas. You got, you got, you know, the Jersey Shore sort of atmosphere with, um, you know, the, you know, the, the stereotypical Guidos and all that stuff. And sure, there was there was that, but that, that's always a fun environment, I think. Anyway, um, but the one thing that I really thought uh, that was unique, obviously, is the beach. So that that was probably my favorite part, just being able to walk out of your hotel. Hung over and just go plop your ass on the beach and just go in the ocean. Something Vegas doesn't have to offer.
2: No, that's true. And well, they have the pools, I guess, but not the ocean. The ocean is something totally different. It definitely gets rid of a hangover when you're, when you hit the, uh, the waves and all that. Yeah, at least, give, at least helps you.
1: Give me the ocean over a pool any day.
2: Yeah, no doubt. No, but it's, it's fun. I, I, I haven't been to Atlantic City in a long time. And you say Vegas once every 12 months. I'm like, dude, give me three years, <laughs> or three to five years. And I don't know about you, but the, I think the most I can spend in Las Vegas, at least when I was in my 20s and like, Early 30s, the most I could spend, I was like three days, It was like yeah. maxed out. I'm like, I got to get the hell out of here. Very true. I'm depressed. I need to leave. <laughs> like, I don't feel right. Um, I don't know. If I went back now, I think I would be able to like take in a little bit more. Um, but No, but yeah, you
1: wouldn't. You'd be able to take in less.
2: Probably, yeah. I, I probably just just revert back to as soon as i get there i
1: spent eight straight days in vegas once
2: oh god i could never do that i could never do that i don't know
1: how how do you feel about yourself on like day four it wasn't just for it wasn't just for vacation i was there for work but i extended my trip for an extra uh three days and i totally underestimated how crappy you feel like you know, yeah. 72 hours in to, to being in Vegas. Not this even, was
2: earlier yeah. this year, wasn't it? This was the no, Derby and all that. This,
1: this was two, three years ago. I spent oh. uh, five days there this year. Okay, uh, I, I'm definitely with you. Three days is enough. You know, first night, you're there. Awesome. Having a great time. Second night, still having a good time. You're like, yeah, you know, I could do this all. I could do this, you know, for the whole week. Third night, you're like, get me the hell out of here. I'm done (laughs) with this. Fourth night, you're like, I'm not even going out. I'm just in my hotel room. I don't need this shit. Uh, Fifth night, you maybe have a little bit of a rebound, but you're just happy. I think that the light is at the end of the tunnel. So yeah. Uh, Yeah. Vegas is one of those places that, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. You walk into an alternate reality when you land there.
2: And so I haven't been to Atlantic City in a while. How's the actual? I mean, was it was it like bustling? Was there were there a lot of people there? Because I've heard that it's it's definitely because of all the other casinos that are popping up in in uh, Connecticut and Pennsylvania and Delaware that there's not that many people going there. Not nothing like it used to be. And well, Trump closed his clo- is closing his uh, hotel down, right? There's well, a bunch he of places sold, closing down. He sold his. His still oh, okay. exists,
1: but he sold his. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what it was like, you know, ten fifteen years ago, but there was a few big hotels that were just, you know, empty, they were closed. Uh, it's kind of depressing to see, you know, you're walking down the boardwalk and then there's just a stretch of boardwalk that's totally black because the hotel went out of business. Um, yeah, that's that's straight. It's like an eerie feeling. I mean, there was a lot of people there, but it was, a it was you know, one of the last weekends of the summer. So I think it's always going to be packed then. But I bet if you go down there in a few weeks, it'll be pretty empty.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the, the way for most beach towns, too. Um, you know after labor day every there 's a huge spike difference or, you know there 's there 's not very many people there so um well good i 'm glad you have fun i 'm glad you 're alive and made it out yeah yeah that, I mean I think
1: it 's good so we 're recording this monday morning it 's good i think i didn 't record it last night i would I would not have been in a good place mentally
2: no, I think that was a good decision on our part i think we uh, i think we 're a much better state right now <laughs> and by by we i 'm talking about you yeah yeah <laughs> um
1: all right so you ready to get into some Yankees talk here? I think, um, like we talked about at the very open, it's been an up and down week, which I think it's been like an up and down month in August for them.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's strange, it's really crazy how this offense just completely disappears for series at a time, um, and and how uh, then all of a sudden they rebound and are just you know like the, the Bronx Bombers again. It's they're such a weird team this year. They really are as far as the you know their stats and the way that they go into streaks. So. Um, luckily we we bounce back at the end of the week. Well, I think one of the things we had talked about early in the season, a key for this team, and
1: it's obvious. I like I say this and I almost feel stupid saying it, but it's health. It's health with these guys, the the older veterans need to stay healthy in order for this team to make it to October and you know hopefully make it deep into October. And right now, they're, they're facing a lot of injuries. Um, CC was placed on the 15-day DL. Um, the good thing is he doesn't need surgery. But I think we're all in agreement that we're probably not going to get much out of CC the rest of the year.
2: Right. I mean, and if he comes back to pitch, um, you know, he, he made the... He made the, the point in telling people um, when reporters were asking that that he'd help in any way he can, even if it means pitching out of the bullpen. So he's, uh, he's he's he said he's ready to to help the team in any way he can. Obviously, he needs to be healthy to do that. But you know, <clears throat> CC's a confident guy. He feels that when he is healthy, when he's uh, ready to uh, to compete at a high level, that that he is he expects to go out there and do well and, and, and to win. So I mean, look, the guy's been a winner for his entire life. He's been a top echelon starter um and uh you know he of course he has that mentality that's that's the only thing he knows and and like you know he should he should absolutely have that mentality so you know let's just hope he gets healthy and uh and then if he does uh, come back that he can contribute in a positive way
1: i love it that he said he would go to the bullpen i think a lot of us earlier in the season wanted him to go to the bullpen we just thought it would never happen i'm still under the mentality that i'll believe it when i see it right but at least we know he's not gonna you know Throw a hissy fit if he does go to the pen.
2: Well, and the other thing that we're looking at is um, it's very obvious, like you said, you know, we've we've gotten some injuries now, and um, you know, while we're a game and a half out of the division, we still have. Yesterday it was four, I think four or five up um, in the in the wild card, even above the you know above the second team. So there's a there's a bit of a cushion for the wild card as well. Um, And I think the Yankees at this point are obviously we're we're going to be. You know, focusing on the division, we want to win the division first and foremost, no doubt about it. But the rosters are going to expand soon. Um, you know, going to a six-man rotation is is something that Girardi, um, you know, we've seen he likes to do. He likes to cushion Pineda. He likes to cushion Tanaka. So um, you know, if he does come back, you know, there, there there's a spot for him. Um, you know, as far as closing the season as, as a as a sixth starter, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I think. Oh, oh I think they're going to probably put CC back in the rotation. I really don't see them putting him in the bullpen. For I agree cu- for a couple reasons. I mean, they've got a ton of arms out there, especially with the rosters expanding as you just said. And look at his stuff. His stuff is not does not translate to the bullpen. I mean, it's just I can't see him coming out. When are they going to use him? The, the fifth inning if, if a pitcher doesn't get through five innings? It's like I don't see CC being used in that situation. So I think sixth starter is probably a likely place for him to land when he comes back.
2: Yeah, I'm in agreement. It's not to mention that he's never done it before. You know, it's not something that he's he's used to. And these guys are creatures of habit. So throwing him into a completely different role when his stuff isn't the greatest, at, you know, at this point of his career, um, to me, you're playing with fire at that point.
1: Now, playoffs is a different story. If they make it to the divisional or, you know, pass that in the playoffs, I don't think he'll start a game. So he probably will be available out of the bullpen in a situation like that. If he's on the roster. Uh, he'll be on the roster. <laughs> Uh, more injury news, and this one is bigger than CC. It's Teixeira. His leg is sore. He basically can't walk or run on it. Um, he injured it, as we all know, August 17th. He's appeared in two games since then. Um, he's just not healthy. And that's a huge blow for them because I think it's pretty clear how much they miss not only him um, performing in the middle of the lineup, but A-Rod in the middle of the lineup.
2: And, and we're still calling this a bone bruise, a, a contusion, right? Well, I mean, gonna- this is...
1: Yep. He's going to undergo more tests. I mean, that yeah. was what it was when they did the first round of tests. And now that he still is is pretty injured, they are going to do more tests to see if there's anything else wrong.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, I've had I've had some pretty deep, uh, like bone bruises, they call them, I guess, uh, before in my legs, and man, those things, those things can definitely immobilize you um, and, and keep you out for a while, and just linger and linger and linger. So, um, you know, as much as I say, I hope it's that because that means there's nothing structural. It's just a matter of like you know, getting healthy and it, and it actually healing to feel right um and and to me that just takes time um and and I guess he did come back a little early uh which which is probably something that he wanted to do right he wanted to test it make sure but yeah he he can't run very well um and and I think it's just taken a lot longer for it to heal than anybody expected
1: well we know Teixeira has a little bit of glass bone syndrome so I'm not surprised it's taking him a long time to heal
2: right but at the same time right we want him we need him healthy we absolutely need absolutely him we don't we don't him need healthy. him lingering I mean we saw what what happened to Beltron last year with uh, an injury that he came back from and said he was healthy he was not healthy uh, that el- that elbow was never right and and you're seeing what what you what you can do as an older guy you got to be completely healthy 100 percent healthy um, and and you know even if you're nicked up a little bit I mean at this point in the season like I, I want you to get ready uh, and, and just rest especially with bird there contributing and doing well and kind of holding down the fort you know I think he's got that buffer to really just get healthy so he's ready for um, you know our late season uh, push
1: well we are pretty much late in the season it's September 1st coming up yeah Um, but I think maybe if they want to put him on the 15-day DL and just tell him you know literally don't walk on it for the next 15 days make sure it gets healthy so we have you the last two weeks of the season right I'm almost okay with that
2: yeah, and again, I think Bird really helps that. You know, he helps us say that a lot better because because he has been good. I mean, he's been good in the field and at the plate. I mean, he's just he's been um, he's he's been, he came at the right time and and is performing the right way.
1: There's also been rumors that the Yankees are are exploring maybe putting A Rod out in the field um, at first base in the next coming week because they want to get another right-handed bat. They're facing two lefties in Boston. Um, And and they don't have. I mean, Greg Bird's a lefty, and obviously they're not going to put a Rod at third because I don't think he has the mobility for that. So they want to get his, his bat as many right-handed bats in the lineup. But I think that would be a huge mistake. I mean, look at how how tired a Rod looks just from DHing. You're going to risk him out in the field at first base, which he's only played once in his career. And that was an ugly showing at first base when he did it back in April.
2: Yeah, he did not look comfortable at all playing first. And uh, you know, it's it's not so much fielding the ball because I think he could field the ball if it's hit, you know, a couple of feet to the left or right of him. Can or he at bend him. down though? I don't know. It's yeah. It's it's the it's the bending. It's the stretching. It's the turning the glove the right way for uh, you know receiving a ball. Like that was the awkward. Like his glove turning was. It reminded me of like a kid trying to catch the first time. Um, it, it was just it just he just did not look comfortable over there at all. So I, I agree with you. I don't think that at this point in the season you want to do that. Um, but I could think of a couple of right-handed bats that we could we could uh, that we could use uh, coming up with when the rosters expand. I think will will help matters. Um, you know get some more right-handed bats into the into the lineup. So. I don't think they're going to mess around with that.
1: Is one of those bats
2: you're talking about named Ref Snyder? One of those bats is Ref Snyder, absolutely. Um, I, we've They have been talking about the September call-ups. A lot of the beat guys have been asking Girardi and Cashman about this, obviously because it's coming up. Um, we want to know who's going to be up and who's not going to be. Um, so Ref Snyder was uh, definitely the hot name that was thrown around. And, uh, you know, Cashman pretty much said that, yeah, Ref Snyder's going to be up. Uh, but the other guy that everybody's looking to see is Aaron Judge, and um, you know throughout everybody's been they've been saying consistently that Judge is not going to be up. He's not going to be one of the call ups. Uh, they do believe he needs more seasoning, um, which I agree with. I mean I think he he does need more seasoning. He's been striking out a lot at AAA. I think he needs to to um, get ready for. Um, you know, next year and, and then really 2017, where I think he's going to be. A, that's that's where I think the target full time role is for him when Beltran's contract is up. Uh, but honestly, like you know, I don't know why it hurts having him as a as a pinch hitter off the bat, a right handed, you know, power bat. Well, uh, in, in September.
1: Yeah, but I I, I think the fact that Beltron's actually playing pretty well. Right. It, Pretty much ensures that he's going to be there, barring injury, for the rest of the season. They're not going to mess with that. And like you said, they want Judge to get a little bit more comfortable. He did make the jump this year to Triple A. He he lit it up at first, but maybe the Triple A league is starting to figure him out a little bit. So he needs to make another adjustment. Um, they might think, again, as you said, just bringing him up to the majors is, is too big of a step at this point.
2: Yes. I, I, I- I- He's, but he's in the future plans, I mean, there's no doubt oh, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He, he's the starting right fielder in 2017, right? Are we agreement on that? Absolutely. Like that's, that's the plan.
1: I wanted to just get back to Ref Snyder, though. When he comes up, we can't expect him to be plugged into second base every day because that's not
2: going to happen. It's not going to happen. We, I mean, we're, you're, we're we're fooling ourselves if we think that's going to happen at this point. I mean, Stephen Drew is the second baseman. That's been very clear. Every you know, we have we have bitched and moaned and complained about Stephen Drew for a very long time. And I know we have a couple mailbags of of, of guys who are uh, you know have the same sentiment. Um, but he's been there, and you know, to his credit, he's been putting the ball out of the ballpark. He's been he's been you know consistently uh, I, consistently he's been doing nothing consistently that is the wrong word to use. no he he consistently <laughs> hits a home run per week yeah okay and um, but you know he's been hitting the ball a little better yesterday had a great game went 4 for 4 um, and, and finally uh, cleared mendoza um, but for yeah now. drew is the second baseman and and Ref Snyder will will plug in and i think he's just you know he's a he's a guy who's going to be um, used uh, against lefties i think that's that's where he's going to be fitting in
1: definitely you might see him pinch run um yep late in games you might see him pinch hit late in games because i think i think his bat is major league ready um but yeah he's not going to be the starting second baseman and i know everybody is going to want him to be the starting second baseman so just be prepared to be disappointed when, when <laughs> he comes up
2: but he'll be on the team so we can't be that disappointed right. so at least he'll be there
1: yeah yeah Alright, so I want to talk about something that happened last night. Jake Arrieta threw a no-hitter against the Dodgers. This was the 6th no-hitter this year, and it was the 11th in the last two years. And I'm just under the mentality with no-hitters at this point. Like, who the hell cares anymore? It happens every week at this point. The Dodgers were no-hit twice in the last 10 days. I'm just I'm just un- thoroughly unimpressed with no-hitters at this point.
2: And this just comes because you've been seeing it a lot more lately and it's it's, uh, it's just not it's not new or unique at this point. Well, uh, you you're, you and I disagree a little bit on this,
1: I know. Yeah, we do. I'm just under the impression that the no hitter now is like the 40 home run season in 1998. It's just not that impressive,
2: right? Okay, I get it when you're looking back and you see that the amount of uh, you see the amount of no hitters in the last two years, and and you can chalk that up, and people will say oh, that's unimpressive. It's not, it's happening all the time. But to me, when that is actually happening in the moment for that guy. I, I love it. I, I love I love the tension in the game. I love I, I turn the channel still every time to to watch it. I love the the crowd response. I love that there's pr- there's still pressure in that moment on the pitcher, on the fielders, and on the hitters to end it. I still think it's a it's a cool situation. It's a fun atmosphere, and it's I think it's a great baseball moment. Um, you know, I, I I personally like it every single time it comes. Like I get why people are are kind of numb to it at this point because it's been happening a lot more often. Um, but I don't know. I think it's one of those great baseball uh, baseball situations, and I personally will still turn the channel to watch it.
1: I did not change the channel last night. I know the game was on ESPN. It was a Sunday night game. I saw it happening on Twitter. I was watching the VMAs. <laughs> Make fun oh, of me boy. for that if you want, but I it, will. Those are highly entertaining in a in a dumb way, but they're entertaining. And I was under the impressions like I'll find out if if Arrieta gets his no hitter through Twitter. I don't need to change the channel.
2: You could also look up Miley Cyrus's highlights and you know what she wore the next day too, if you wanted to. Yeah, but those then then are all things that you could see. Then I couldn't live tweet it. <laughs> Jesus, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I get it. I get it. Uh, as far I don't get the VMA thing. I mean, that's that you're on an island with that one, but. Um, <laughs> But I definitely see how people are more numb to it. I mean, you're telling me that if it wasn't – what about if it was your team? If it was the Yankees coming yeah. up with a no-hitter, you wouldn't be rallied and, yes. and like jazzed up for that? Absolutely. Of course I would.
1: I'm, right. I just don't give a crap if Jake if Arrieta is throwing a no-hitter. But 10 years ago, if someone was throwing a no-hitter, I would change
2: the Yankee game
1: to go watch that game. That's how yeah. that's how into it I was back then.
2: And, I, and this is this is something we also looked up before we started recording. Right, we were looking up the amount of no hitters that were in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Like just kind of looking at the decades um, and seeing where we were at this point. Because I think now we're we got spoiled. <laughs> we got this is this is a, an interesting conversation but we got spoiled in the steroid era for the amount of power and runs that we saw right and how f- infrequent we saw no hitters because the offense was just so uh, you know it was peaking at such a an immense level that the pitchers had a hard time getting out of um, or getting into these situations where there where there no hitters so it was exciting right it was exciting at that point because it didn't happen very often so i think we got spoiled in the way that you know we saw it so infrequently so it was such a you know um, you know, just such, you know, an infrequent thing with baseball that it was it was cool to see. So n- now that you're seeing it a little bit more often, you're like, eh, it, you know, 10 years ago when the offense was ridiculous, when everybody was cheating. Um, now, now because the pitching has, has caught up and, and, and probably exceeded the hitting. Um, it's not as exciting to a lot of people anymore. But
1: Well, you also know what it is. It's that back in the 90s and early 2000s, the only guys that threw no-hitters were the best pitchers in the league. You know, Randy Johnson threw no-hitters. Pedro threw no-hitters. We saw Cone and Wells, you know, throw perfect games. Th- those were considered, you know, the top echelon of pitchers. Now we got guys anywhere from Jake Arrieta to, uh, you know, Carlos Carrasco. I know he didn't get his no-hitter, but he came within one out. All these guys, um, you know, Dallas Braden threw a, a perfect, perfect game, game a couple of years ago. It's like these guys are not good pitchers, and they're throwing no-hitters.
2: And I think that is kind of where it loses it for me. Right. I mean, you see guys like uh, – the other thing you see, though, is Verlander. I mean, Verlander seems to be flirting with I – mean, he hasn't had the greatest year. He's actually been pitching well lately. Um, but he seems to be flirting with a no-hitter quite often. I mean, I think he's lost – two no-hitters in the ninth inning as well. Um, but he just lost one with two outs a couple last week or this week. Um, so you do see the guys that, that have good stuff um, still still out there. But I seem to recall, I think it was the late 80s, I, I don't remember exactly what year, Andy Hawkins of the New York Yankees throwing a no-hitter and losing the game. Um, so there were still guys that were, were throwing no-hitters uh, that that you know weren't the, the, top, the top names. Um, I mean, I think if we look back into the 80s and the 70s, we'd, we'd see some of those guys that we didn't recognize. I'm sure we would. I,
1: I, I just think that we're seeing an overmarket correction from the steroid era on, on pitching. And on, on, on a overall level, I'm okay with it. I think I'm still interested in, in the game of baseball. I'm just not going to go freak out every time there's an, a new no-hitter thrown. All right, so let's start to break down some of these games over the last week. The Yankees, as we already said, are a game and a half in back of Toronto because Toronto just does not freaking lose anymore. And I feel like every time we look up at the scoreboard, Toronto's up, you know, 5 to nothing in the 3rd inning again. Um, yeah,
2: the, the bats have not quieted down. I'm I'm still waiting for that to happen. I like it's got to happen at some point soon. Baseball always seems to correct itself. So hopefully it happens at the exact wrong time.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, like when the Yankees are playing them seven games in the last couple weeks of the season. That, that would, be, be, that would be perfect timing, yeah. Yankees are 72-57. and 57. It's not like they're playing bad. They're playing okay. But as we just said, Toronto's just playing out of their out of their minds. So Monday was the first game against Houston. They got a one nothing win. And this was Avaldi's best game of the season. And coming from me, you know, you know that's true. Uh, eight innings, seven strikeouts, three walks, only four hits. He looked like the good Ivaldi that we see every now and again.
2: He had a, he had his great stuff. Uh, he was uh, he was he was really pitching well. And I you know I really you're looking at him, you're watching him pitch. Um, and, and I know we'll talk about his last start, which wasn't that great. But you're just seeing a lot more confidence. I think you're you're, you're looking at a different guy coming out there now. He expects to do well, um, and I think that's extremely important for the psyche of a starting pitcher. Um, you know, he's locating his breaking stuff. His breaking stuff is a lot better than it was early in the season. And that splitter is a game changer for him. When he has that splitter going and it's working well, it's a strikeout pitch. It's a guy. It's a pitch that misses bats, and that was the the one component of his arsenal that he just didn't have you know um people were 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 not swinging and missing on his fastball but the fact that he has a splitter that's working well it's making his his fastball that much more effective
1: Houston's a pretty good lineup and for Ivaldi to do that against the Houston lineup is impressive I was very impressed with that start they needed it it saved the bullpen so great job Ivaldi on that game but then we see what he did Sunday against Atlanta, and it's like, why can't we get a little bit more of consistent performance out of Vivaldi? That's why he annoys me.
2: But that's, uh, that's what I don't understand. He's probably been the most consistent Yankee pitcher all year, consistently. You look at his record, and you and yes, I, I understand. I'm not even looking that. at his record. I'm looking at him going into the fifth inning and us in a game. That's, that's just what I'm looking at. But, but the, Fifth inning, but, we're in a game. But for every him to time.
1: go five and a third innings and just keep us in the game, to me, that that is not good.
2: But but here's the thing. The Yankees are relying. Like, I get that the fact that you want him to go deeper in the games, which he has been doing over the past month. I mean, you, you can't deny that. The man has been going deeper into games. Besides this last start, he's been going deeper into games. Um, but, you know, one of the strengths of this team is the bullpen. The fact that we can, uh, you know... We, we can come in in the 6th, 7th, and 8th and and lock a team down and, and do that. well. It, it's a strength of ours. It's something that, you know, I don't think the bullpen is overworked right now. I really don't. I think the bullpen's in good shape. Um, and we've seen a lot of these guys go five innings. You know, with CeCe and Avaldi and even Pineda with however many blow-up starts we've had and and just random starters that we've had that, you know, even Se- Severino, they're not letting him, um, you know, go past the sixth inning, really. Uh, so we're seeing our, our bullpen Really do well, and, and and it's not. They're they're. Not, I don't think they're tired. I, I don't think anybody's really, um, you know, at their at their limit. I think uh this late in the season. So you know, I I think it's uh kind of gone to plan, and I think he's really really progressed over the season, and that's what we wanted to see. I I, I mean, just, look at him from last year. Look at him from last year. Yeah. I mean, it's night and day. From from actually from his entire career up until this year, Larry um Larry Rothschild has made I think. I, pitching coach of the year with Evaldi. I, honestly, like he he's he saw the raw goods, and I think he's turning him into a legitimate bona fide um, starting pitcher in the and 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 has progressed to the highest winning percentage in the American League at 14 and two. Congratulations, Nathan.
1: I'm not saying he's a bad pitcher. I'm just saying he has the ability to pitch seven innings a night and he and consistently he's going five and two-thirds innings a night that's that's another inning and a third that he should be giving this team he has the ability to save the bullpen a little bit more i understand if cc can't do it because he just can't he flat out can't do it nova hasn't been able to do it so you need your bullpen for those games not an avaldi game
2: and that's why why he pisses me off so so the other guys that should be should be bothering you as well because Nova, I mean, absolutely should be getting past the fifth. Um, Michael Pineda should absolutely be getting. Nova past is the coming fifth.
1: back from Tommy John surgery. I mean, I'm. I mean, how how long do we have to say that though? I mean, he he's. he's it's, been- it usually takes a full season for him to get for for guys to get back to to normal after Tommy John. Now, Listen, Nova has been bad. I'm not I'm not giving Nova a pass by any means, but I'm gonna be more understanding if Nova can only go five innings than if Evaldi can only go five innings.
2: If we look at of all these past, and we look at the you know the way he's pitched in the past, I mean he's thrown a lot of pitches. That's that's we knew that coming in, right? He gives up a lot of hits, um, but I think he is he's trending in the right direction big time. Um, I think this guy has uh, has missed a lot more bats lately. You're seeing the strikeouts up. Uh, you're still seeing the pitches up, the pitch count up. But I think that's because he's getting those swings and misses, right? Uh, he, there was an article that um, that Roe actually had put on the site uh, and talking to about the, you know, just the 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 the, the balls that were put in play uh, from of all these and how much of a bad luck he's had as well. Um, and even you're seeing, you know, a lot of these little dribblers or base hits and things like that. Um, but look, I, I understand your frustration, kind of. I, I think at this point, I'm not really frustrated with that because the last game, and we're going to talk about the game he just pitched, but he did not have his great stuff. He was not locating. Like It's going to happen. That's going to happen. But two of the three starts before that, he went to the seventh and eighth inning. Um, you're seeing the extension. He is moving on. And in fact, I think John Flaherty, this, this is, I wanted to take a screenshot of this and send it to you yesterday, um, and I just couldn't get my phone ready time but one of you know how he does like the the pros uh yeah. right before <laughs> one of the three pros was innings eater i loved it i saw that and i was like if andrew saw this he'd be flipping his lid right he's now. not an innings eater what the <laughs> hell thought, are they talking about i thought it was hysterical uh but yeah that was one of his uh that was one of his his pros his three his three pros of the uh, uh, before the start
1: Well right. <laughs> well so we're still on this monday game i Evaldi just sparked something in in the both of us where we, we just start to argue. But the Yankees couldn't hit Scott Feldman in this game on Monday. And they found themselves 0-0 going into the ninth inning. And thank God for Oliver Perez being inept. Because he walked the bases loaded with no outs. And basically handed the Yankees the game on a silver platter. And Daltron was able to get uh, the sack fly to score Gardner. Um, one nothing win. Great win. But um, it kind of went downhill in the series after that. Yes, it did.
2: And Avaldi and didn't get a win. Man, he was robbed of a win. What's up with that? <laughs> robbed yeah. of a win.
1: Yeah, it's that. Uh, that's that's the That's market correction. that's market correction. Can we
2: get this man some run support? For God's sakes?
1: <laughs> he gave twenty runs yesterday. <laughs> um. Uh, one other thing I want to mention in this game, Chase Headley made just a like a just terrible error in the eighth inning of that game. Ivaldi was still on the mound going into the eighth inning. He gets a ground ball to Chase Headley, and Headley just airmails it past Bird, who was playing first base at the at the time. You know, twentieth error on the season for Headley. I, I know Headley's not been um, the the worst, you know, overall this year, but. I'm just – I'm so scared he's going to make a bad – like a really bad error come late September into October.
2: Yeah, I see, I like Trace South. I just think he's – I mean, yeah, he's making too many errors. Um, I, I just – it's so weird. It's that over-the-top throw. I don't know how consistently he, he he is throwing the ball. Anyway, I just don't like it. I don't like the way it looks. I don't like anything about it. Um, Scott, from when a base hit to
1: Chase Headley – how do you feel when you're watching it? Are you holding your breath because I'm scared shitless
2: whenever a ground ball is hit to Headley, especially when runners are on base? Yes, because the way he throws, it looks awkward. It just doesn't look right. It looks like it's going to be high every time because of the because of where his slot is, where he throws, where he releases the ball. So yes, but you know it's it's so funny because. The ones he boots are like the routine balls or like the ones that are, he throws away are like the routine ones, and then he makes the ridiculous plays you know he makes those he makes the play you know almost as good as anybody at third, um, you know away from first base going like t- towards the line he makes that play a lot and it looks it looks terrific uh, but yeah no it 's the routine balls where he, he either boots it or he airmails them, and just that the way his throwing style to me is just not the greatest for a third baseman. So, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I like, I like him. I, to me, he's been a steady bat. He's just kind of like a steady Eddie over there, um, and he, uh, he's had some big hits. He's had some big big hits in, in big moments, and I think that um, we'll see that going forward. I think he's, a, he's just one of those guys who's a, who's a good clubhouse guy too, and I, I just like him on the team.
1: 20 errors, 20 uh, mid-250s, whatever he's batting, batting average with 55 RBIs, which is, I think he has, is not what they paid for.
2: Pa- uh, Pablo Sandoval. Okay, Let's see understand. what the market dictated. The market dictated. No, they could have. Um, got for, a good deal.
1: They could have gotten Chase Headley for less than the contract they gave
2: him. Uh, yeah, fine. They probably could have gotten him a little bit less. You're right. Maybe a little bit less. But you, what they wanted to do was solidify a guy over there um, that they knew that they knew would produce um, at, at, a, at a at a relatively good level. I mean, I think he's an above average. Um, Third baseman from as far as production, I think he's he's been good. Uh, the, you look around the league, and you're not going to find too many guys that are that are um, that are that much better. You know, guys like Josh Donaldson not included, but I think he's been uh, above average. So his I
1: offense think- has been average. I know you said he's had some big hits, which yes, he has. He's had some walk off hits, and he's been he's come up clutch in some moments for this team. But I think he, you know. Maybe this season is an outlier with the 20 errors, but he should be making about eight errors a season, not what he's on pace for, which is like 24.
2: Right, and I think it is. I think it's one of those seasons that we're going to, you know, you, when you look at his career, you're going to throw this one out because I, I think that it's not what you normally get from him. All right,
1: so from, from Chase Headley making errors to the Yankees losing 15-1 to on Tuesday to Houston, this was just one of the ugliest games of the season, and it started right from the first inning with Uh, with a missed opportunity for Ellsbury in center field. So Nova got two quick outs and then just totally lost it. He walked a guy and then there was a line drive to Ellsbury. Ellsbury kind of froze, um, was late getting a jump on the ball. He dove for it, couldn't quite get it. The run scores. It's a play that I think Ellsbury probably makes seven or eight times out of ten. He didn't make it. But uh, the run scored, but I think Nova really needed to get out of that inning, and he just couldn't, and he ended up giving up five runs in that inning, sort of set the tone for the whole day.
2: Yeah, Nova couldn't get out of the inning. Um, Ellsbury definitely, I think, misjudged that ball. I mean, like you said, he froze. He was in mud for a good split second before that ball. I mean, you can see the replay, the ball off the bat. He does not move until that ball's over second base. Um and uh, yeah, so he had a late jump on the ball and I, it was absolutely a catchable ball. I mean, he does make that catch uh, most times if he if he sees the ball off the bat well. Uh, he just didn't see the ball off the bat. It happens, uh, and unfortunately, he actually injured his hip too when he when he did that little half dive. But um, yeah, you know, Nova's gotta nova gotta get himself out of that inning and and you know come back uh, from that and not not get rattled and he just didn't and you know i don't want to waste too much time on this game because it was it was the worst game of the year in my opinion it was terrible to watch and uh you know brendan brendan ryan made a a bad play in the field just like a you know just one of those not even looking at the ball all the way through and just booted a ball and there's a lot of there are a lot of things that we could we could talk about that were negative in this game but to me it's it's worst game of the year chalk it up to that move on
1: yeah, just a couple of things I want to mention more about this game that sort of made headlines. First of all, Brendan Ryan was the best pitcher on the team that day. Yeah. Capuano was DFA'd for the fourth time in the month, and they've since outrighted him back to Scranton. No mas, no just mas. Please. Just Just stop. It's just like, come on. Put him He's down. He's not a major league pitcher. Stop. Put him out of his misery at this point. Um, and the the whole spat with Carlos Gomez getting sort of heated after he made an out in a blowout game And Girardi coming out there and telling him that's not how you play the game sort of reprimanded him well, I mean come on the Yankees were just pissed off they were losing big in that game And taking it out on Carlos Gomez who admittedly is a hothead and an annoying player But I think the Yankees just need to stay quiet in that situation and move on to the next day Because they kind of came off looking foolish in my opinion
2: Yeah. I mean, Gomez is one of those guys who just, he's an antagonizer. He, 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 makes people mad all the time with the way that he acts the way that his antics are he's always always over celebrating or overdoing something um but in this in this in this situation what happened at that time i think the yankees were frustrated uh, i know the yankees were frustrated because nothing was going right in that game and you know honestly like the incident that he uh that they were calling him out on like he was yelling after he hit the ball but i think he was yelling at himself because he missed uh he missed the ball you know where he wanted to hit it so i don't even think it was directed at the yankees in that particular thing I I just think the Yankees saw something and and McCann has a history with Gomez um, from his Atlanta days so I think that McCann was the one barking at him and, and then you know Gomez just kept, kept looking over there and telling him to shut up shut up shut up um, so yeah I, I get it Gomez is an annoying player like he, he gets under people's skin uh, but at that time I think it was just pure frustration from the New York Yankees yes totally agree
1: and then on Wednesday the Yankees had Big Mike returning it was a Wednesday afternoon game Pineda was returning from the DL first time he was pitching since July 24th. And he, I didn't watch this game. I was listening cause I was at work, but he just was not, he didn't have his good stuff. Uh, four and a third innings, five runs, I don't know what we can expect from Pineda the rest of the season. It's a total mystery for me. If you tell me tomorrow, next game out, he's going to go out and pitch, you know, seven shutout innings, I'd be like, okay. And if you tell me he's going to get roughed up in three innings, I'd be like, yep, okay, that makes sense as well. Just, I don't have a clue what he's going to be.
2: Yeah, he's definitely been much, much too much up and down. And, um, you know, this was a day game as well. I, I had things going on for uh, the first half. I, I caught the second half of the game, so I was able to see the, uh, the, the beautiful Ali Perez pitch against us. Um, but, you know, as far as what Pineda, I agree with you in the fact that I don't know what we're getting from him. I mean, you see the 16K performance, and then you see him blow up in three innings and just completely sh- mentally shut down. Um, you know he's in, he's been an injury issue. Uh, you know is he healthy? Is he not healthy? I, I don't know what he is. Um, but at this point, you know when he's on, he's he's a great pitcher. He's a he's you know he's one of the best. He's got some of the best stuff in the in the major leagues. I just don't know how how often we can expect that stuff or, or when it's going to show or you know when he's going to rear his ugly head with some of the bad starts. So he's kind of an anomaly in our pitching staff right then right now.
1: First game back from the DL, you kind of give a guy a pass, but. Right. You know, we'll see what he is the next time out. Yep. So it's like the Yankees go from scoring four runs in three games versus Houston. They go down to Atlanta and then they score 38 runs in three games. It's like a microcosm for this team. You know, we saw it earlier in the summer when they scored 90 runs in nine games and then eight runs in seven games. So kind of experiencing that again. But it started with a 15 to four win Friday night in Atlanta and the key to this game was the Yankees scored nine runs in the first two innings, and how many times have we seen them score big early in games, and that's when this team is at their best because their their bullpen is so lethal that teams know if we fall behind early, you know we've got guys you know Wilson Shreve Batanzas Miller coming out for the last four innings you know we're screwed if we fall behind.
2: Yeah, and you see a different type of approach, I think, at the plate. I mean, these guys just seem very loose at that point, um, and, and they're playing with house money, and I think that's when they're at their best. Uh, when they're playing loose I and mean, we've seen that when the clubhouse atmosphere is is a uh, is a fun like you know um, almost like a fraternity like atmosphere like a college team or whatever uh, these guys are at their at their at their best and I think when you get up big like that too I mean there's obviously some good vibes going on um, and, and hitting is contagious you, you'll hear that a million times from guys who are playing baseball uh, when when you're whenever when someone's down um, you know un- unfortunately it, it kind of spreads but when someone's up you know that that spreads as well and I I think these guys kind of feed off of each other and feed off of the atmosphere and the and the um, emotions uh, within a game. Didi coming up with a big game. I mean, second half stats, 302 batting average, three home runs, 22 RBIs. And in this particular game, he had four hits and six RBIs. I mean, Didi's been been better, better than I think we get expected, to tell you the truth, at uh, this point in the season. Oh, my God. I mean, that's an understatement.
1: He's been yeah. way better than we thought. Playing defense at a high level, hitting... At a much better, you know, he's never going to be a, a 15 home run guy, but if he's a, a, you know, a 280 hitter that that can get on base a decent amount and, and cause some havoc at the bottom of the lineup, I think that's a, a huge home run trade for for Cashman and the Yankees.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, at this point right now, it's a, it's a it's a good trade. I mean, he's really coming into his own. And you can just see the confidence. And you know, he's hit skids too and then come back from them and in the second half even. Um and has come back with, you know, with a game like this, which has been crazy. Um but yeah, he's he's been phenomenal. I mean, I love watching him play short. Uh, I think his uh his range is is you know, one of the, some of the best in the league and his arm is just, he's got a cannon. Uh, So, you know, I, I think we're seeing the makings uh, of an everyday shortstop for, for years to come. You know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you know, he's, he's really been doing well. Definitely. And Tanaka pitched this
1: game. He scattered five hits and three runs over seven innings. And you and I were talking before we started recording, you know, you look at that line for Tanaka and against that Braves lineup, which is pretty bad. And you say, that's not very good. But then you look and you you realize that it was nine nothing pretty much before the you know you could even blink an eye, so I think Tanaka pitches to how the game is you know what the game is dictating, and I think yeah. that's why we see a lot of solo home runs given up right. and we see a lot of games where you know he just doesn't want to in this game he didn't want to walk people and give up a big inning so he was just going to go out and throw strikes but in other games when when it's a tight you know one to one or, or nothing nothing game he'll bear down and pitch a little you know pitch better.
2: That's it. I mean, he's a smart dude. He uh, he pitches to the situation, uh, like you said, the solo shots. I mean, he's more aggressive with uh, with guys who, when there's nobody on base, when there's uh, you know a big lead. Um, you know, he'll he'll be more aggressive in the strike zone and try to you know try to make his pitch. Um, and if the if the hitter you know, get something off of him, then, you know, tip of the cap. But, yeah, he uh, he, he pitches his game, um, and, and I think the situation really does dictate how he he, he kind of goes at people. Uh, but I do, I have confidence in the way that he does that because, uh, you know, I, I think he's efficient in that manner, too, where he's just, you know, he's thinking, he's thinking about the situation, he's thinking about what's, what, what he needs to do um, for the team to either lengthen, you know, to get deep in a game, to you know, just to to bear down and you know, get a strikeout, like I, I feel like he's got all those pitches in his bag where where he can, um, you know, can, he can make the best of every situation. So yeah, I'm not worried about the numbers, the solo shots. I'm not worried about it at all. Uh, I think he did his job and did well. Tanaka's
1: the if we get to the situation, he's either the game one starter in the playoffs or the one game playoff starter. I really don't. I really don't think there's much of a question about it. And I think. What we'll get out of Tanaka in that situation is, you know, come the sixth and seventh inning, no matter what, the Yankees are going to be in the game. It's going to be either uh, they'll be leading or they'll be just slightly behind. He's not going to go out there and just get absolutely tattooed in a big game.
2: No, I agree with that. I think his moxie and, and the way he goes a, 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 about a game um, kind of prevents that. He's a big game pitcher. I, I, I truly believe that, and um, so yeah, I have the utmost confidence in him right now. But we, we've talked about this utmost confidence in, in, in him as far as like a top of the top of the line starter. Like, does he have the most like dominant stuff all the time? Probably not. But I, I, I do trust him. I, I don't. I think that's the best word. I guess I, I trust him to, to pitch well and to uh, and to come up big in a in a big game situation. <laughs>
1: Let me ask you a question. Would you ever name your kid Sugar Ray? (laughs) I don't
2: think I could get away with naming my kid Sugar Ray.
1: (laughs) Uh, The reason I bring this up is because the the Braves have this kid who's out of their pen named Sugar Ray Merriman. And I just, I think it's an awesome name. Um, Anytime you name your kid Sugar Ray, you know he's destined for greatness. um, And... pretty much you better hope he's an athlete because I don't think you can get away with that, you know, selling insurance or anything.
2: Although I, I would not. No, that's, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that because if my, if my insurance uh, agent's name was Sugar Ray, that'd be awesome. Nope. Or my real, my real yeah. estate agent. Or are you gonna, I'm going to go see Sugar Ray. He's going to sell my house. Like he's a closer. I, he's got a nasty left hook. I, I like that. I'm not <laughs> think,
1: buying anything from someone named Sugar Ray.
2: Yeah, but you want him on your side.
1: Maybe (laughs) I want sugar reds on my house. Depends the situation. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So uh, Saturday, Yankees got a three-one win. Severino got a second win of his career. Six innings, no runs, four hits, five Ks. The only thing I think you can nitpick is the three walks. And he's walking per nine in the bigs about one more walk per nine than he did in the minors, which is kind of understandable. I mean, the hitters are better. They got a better eye. They work the counts more. But I think Severino overall has been fantastic. I think he's consistently going six innings, which is pretty much as far as they're going to push him at this point. And he's always, you know, striking guys out. He's always keeping his hits and runs down. So I think as he progresses, his command will get a little better, and that that walk will come. Walk ratio per nine will come down, and he'll be even better.
2: Yeah, I think he's been tremendous up here. Um, he has his second win. He he easily could have had at least one more. Um, so he's he's everything we've expected him to do. I mean, if you look at a guy that we could have brought over at the trade deadline, uh, if you look at. Compare compare a top of the line starter and, and Severino's numbers to you know what we could have gotten and what we would have given up. I think anybody would take what we what we're getting uh, just because of the youth and just the um, the the overall pop this kid has in his arm. I think he's uh, he's been a tremendous you know this is this is like our pickup right. This is like a free agent pickup or a, a trade deadline guy um, that we were waiting in the wings to to help this team in the second half. And I think he's been better. Uh, I think he's been better honestly than than advertised. I think he's uh, he's really held himself well in the major. League Leagues, and I, I agree with you. I think his command's going to get better, and I think he's just going to get more comfortable and more into a groove into the major leagues. And I think he's going to be, uh, I think he's going to be good for a long time for this team. And I think he's going to really help us uh, down the stretch. You're just talking about, you know, the guys they could have gotten back like Hamels,
1: Cueto, or Price. The only one out of those big three who has pitched well is Price. Cueto.
2: Well, Ham- has- Hamels has had some good outings too. Hamels has been pretty good. Um, Cueto has not pissed to to his to his liking but he was one of the guys um but do we I mean, honestly were we ever in those guys that situation
1: for those guys no but I think if the Yankees wanted to part with Severino if they wanted to trade Severino they could have gotten any of those guys
2: yeah I probably you're right I, I think I think that's right uh, and there would have been a rental um except for Hamels I think Hamels is locked up for another two years three if more. I'm right three more years okay so um you know uh, you know that's that's the guy I think that we would have looked at just because of the contract. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Price was a rental, and so you know, look, I'm happy with it. I think he's been I think he's been good, and uh, you know, it's it's someone who we control, uh, and he's one of our guys now. So you know, I, I like it. I like it a lot.
1: I agree, and I'm happy they didn't give him up because I think finally, I know we've said this a bunch, but finally, this team is going to hang on to their young guys, and we're going to see a wave of young guys come up and replace some of these veterans who are on their way out, and that's exactly what this team needs right now. All right, Sunday, they scored 20 runs. Second time this season, they've scored 20 runs. It was an early 7-0 lead, and I know we talked about Evaldi earlier in this episode, but Evaldi couldn't get through five with a big lead, or he only got through five with a big lead, and that's exactly why Evaldi annoys me, because one day he'll go out and shut down Houston for eight innings, and then the next time he goes out with a big lead against a terrible Atlanta lineup, and he can't. Get through the game. It's just it's just frustrating to watch.
2: Okay, when well, when you get frustrated, just go look at the the fourteen and two record, and, and that should give you a little bit of a um, a little bit of a, a buffer in the frustration. But we've already gone on our Evaldi rants, so yeah. Like I'll, I'll tell you this: I, when I, just watching the game, he didn't have his best stuff. Uh, he couldn't locate the fastball, and and uh, the one the one thing I did notice about Evaldi in the start that that I I like to see, um, even though he didn't pitch that great. Uh, he showed a lot more emotion on the mound and uh, in, in this start that he ever has than I've ever seen I mean he was he was visibly getting frustrated when he couldn't throw strikes and visibly getting frustrated on you know his performance and this goes back to the fact that that you know like I said in the last outing when he threw eight innings he just expects to be better at this point I mean he's he's got more confidence he knows his stuff is good uh, I think he's got more confidence because of the um, the off-speed stuff uh, and he's getting a lot more swings and misses and you know I, I, I like seeing the the frustration, because to me that just means he's he has an expectation for himself. Um, and I know he doesn't think it's like you know he doesn't think it's good enough to go out and pitch five innings like that's obvious to me he does not think it's good enough he knows he has to get deeper in the games and, and seeing that that fire that emotion um, and the frustration on him you know t- makes me happy because uh, I you know I, I know then that he's not expecting to go out there and just be okay and I think this guy wants to be very good and wants to be great so you know what um, I'd
1: like to see for the next month I want to see Evaldi and Pineda sort of have a little competition with themselves and sort of push each other to be better and see who can get that number 2 starter in the playoff position because that's the two guys who is going to be fighting for it. I want to see those guys push each other and really make a make a play for that number 2 down the stretch here and maybe you know they can they can sort of uh make each other better and force each other to go deeper in games and and step up their game down the stretch.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you want to see competition, I guess, amongst uh, amongst all these guys. I mean, shoot, Severino's been pitching very well as well lately. Um, he's going to be in the conversation when we get to the when we ho- knock on wood get to the playoffs and if that rotation's set. So. Um, but yeah, I think over the past month you've seen a, l- a big improvement in Valdi. I mean, he's got his ERA uh, much down closer to. I mean, I think he started the game yesterday at four, uh, like flat four, uh, which is the lowest he's had in a long time, um, and really never had that in his career. And uh, moving over to the American League, uh, to me that's 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 impressive. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But you know, I'm, I have a lot more confidence in that he's going to go deeper into games, um, and I think the just that emotional. Uh, The the emotional commitment that Ovaldi has to being better is is good to see. Yep. So the Yankees uh, banged out 21 hits, 20 runs in this game, 38 runs
1: total in the series. They finally have some offensive momentum, and they're going to need it because they're going into Boston. Boston's actually playing pretty decent, uh, oddly enough. I mean, they're in last place. They've been terrible all season, but I think they finally got... Uh, a little bit of momentum, they just took two out of three from the Mets so I think the Yankees can't take Boston and Tampa coming up this this week too lightly because those teams are going to be looking to play spoiler
2: well no doubt and they've seen they've seen what we've we've got uh, you know, how we, what we play, 17, 18 times a season, we play these guys, and um, so that they know they know what we have. They've seen our pitching, and um, so yeah, they're going to be ready. And there's there's never an easy game with those two teams. So, um, so yeah, no doubt about it. But there, are also, I will say this: there are opportunities for us. Not so much. I think Tampa's been, you know, uh, better than better than expected all year, even though they're not. Um, I, I think a lot of people thought they were going to be worse than they are. Uh, they're they're never an easy game, but Boston just because they're Boston um, and going into Fenway is never easy, an easy task. So we'll see. But Boston's also an opportunity for us to win some games too. So let's, let's not let's not you know forget that. Absolutely, I might I might try and get
1: to one of these games coming up this week. They're playing a weird four o'clock Wednesday game, sort of getaway four four p.m. game is odd. Maybe I'll try and cut work early and get to that one. And I think tickets are pretty cheap, but. Um, I think that'll be the day when we see some September call-ups. So maybe I'll see Ref
2: Snyder again. Yeah, he's got some success in in Boston. He knows how to hit over the monster.
1: All right, so you teased it earlier. I think we have a couple mailbags that we want to get into.
2: Yeah, so these are uh, appreciate you guys uh, writing in. These are all Stephen Drew related, and I think it's it's very uh, it's fitting due to the to the game he had yesterday. So we'll, um, we'll, we'll let me read these uh, ahead. This is one the first one is from at Ross Lavento. Appreciate you Ross uh, for for writing in. And he said, I enjoy the show immensely, gentlemen. Thank you, Ross, again. Um, I am so beyond frustrated with Stephen Drew. I watched him botched a routine grounder in Monday's win versus Houston and Kay was celebrating the fact that he had reached 200 for the first time since. I think he, they said since last year. Does Drew have compromising photos of Cashman or Girardi or is this really a reason why he's in the lineup and why Reston is in the minors? I know you guys don't like Drew either but I'm wondering if this makes sense. Uh, if you can make some sense of this for me or uh, you know, back up my compromising photos theory. Thanks. Uh, this is Ross Levento, loyal Yankees fan who lives in downtown Boston.
1: Yo, Ross, Yo, hit me up. Let's go grab some drinks. You know, at one of these games this week or something. Love it, uh,
2: Yankee fans in Boston. Definitely, we gotta we gotta stay strong together. <laughs> but so let, let's talk about. It. I'm gonna read the other one too, just so we can uh, talk about this in general. Um, this one's from uh, uh, our. We've heard from Brotron88 before, um, and thanks, man, for He's for our listening most and loyal
1: uh, mailbagger.
2: Yeah, I think yeah he's been he's been definitely active. So I know this is the last thing anyone wants to talk about, Steve and Drew right now. But credit where credit is due. I mean, we are in the midst of a Yankee franchise record record setter. So here's the the record that Big Steve, the Yankee legend, has set. There have been 269 non-pitchers with 500 or more plate appearances in Yankee history. Stephen Drew has the lowest batting average of them all, at 184. And more concerning is the fact that he came to this team in 2004 and has never entered a game batting over 200 for us. In fact, he hasn't started or finished a game above 200 since June of 2014. So that being said, I will gladly stand behind anyone who wants to lead a march straight to Monument Park, demanding that we retire That god of a baseball player's number.
1: I think Brotron. I think Brotron eighty-eight was being a little sarcastic there.
2: Yeah. Well, (laughs) that that uh, that stat has now ended because Stephen Drew ended the uh, the game yesterday with a two hundred one batting average, and will start the next game that he starts with a two hundred one batting average. Stephen
1: Drew, de god, two hundred one. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that that one has stopped so i'll, I'll take it take it uh take it away andrew what your comments on on Stephen drew as if we haven't beaten this with like a dead horse
1: yeah he's not going anywhere i mean i think the yankees are perfectly content with him batting 200 not making errors in the field and hitting a home run per week which is pretty much what he's done he's gonna he might finish the season with 20 home runs which is absolutely insane that i'm saying that but I think if the if you told the Yankees um, this year Stephen Drew is gonna play very solid defense and hit twenty home runs, they would have been like, "Where do I sign? I don't care what else he does. Where do I sign?" And that's what he's gonna do. So, as much as we all hate Stephen Drew and as much as we all think you know he he is bringing this team down, the reality is he really isn't. I'm not saying he's a good player, but he he is in the lineup and he's he's they're gonna deal with him for the rest of the season at this point.
2: Look, the, I think the the <laughs> the frustration with 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 Stephen Drew uh, on the on the part of Yankees fans is twofold. One, he hits under 200, and it's just become a running joke right now, the fact that he's hit under 200 for so long. Um, but the other side of it is that we have a kid who everybody believes and and thinks is ready and has had a little bit of success on the major league level when he was up for a minute. Um, that he's kind of holding down, right? He's like the reason why he's not up. So I think the the you know the. The content for him is 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 that you know we want to see our guy up there, um, and he's the reason why he's not up there, and he's not doing well. So it doesn't make any damn sense. But yes, he's he's hitting the ball out of the ballpark <laughs> on a on a very inconsistent level. But he's got the the numbers um, at the end of the day that you look at, you're like, I don't even know how that happens. So I, what does he have more home runs than he does singles? Like I don't I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. He's an anomaly as far as the home runs. You know who else had more home runs than he had singles one season? You know, who's uh, Andy Stankiewicz, Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds. Okay. Well, I I mean, we're talking about
1: yes. I just compared Stephen Drew to Barry Bonds.
2: Yeah, we're we're (laughs) at a much higher clip, but um, yeah. So he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere, and and he's been a little. He's been better lately, I guess. But, you know, this is like one of the, I think one of the, the main reasons why this Yankees lineup struggles in, in big spurts. This is, I think, the reason why it happens is because we have too many guys on here that don't hit for average. When you have a guy that's hitting 190 or 180 for the entire season and finally eclipses the Mendoza line on September 1st or the end of October, end of um, August, that's an issue. And he's your starting starting second baseman but he's not the only one you know we have guys that are are not hitting for average he's so he's just he's just kind of you know contributes to that and that's why this this team doesn't uh you know can't hit consistently for long periods of time um because we live and die with the long ball yeah we don't get guys on base
1: well steven whether steven drew is in the lineup or not this this offense is not going to produce at a playoff caliber level unless a rod and Tashera come back. And, per, and are healthy and performing close to what they were in the first half of the season. They need the top half of this lineup to carry them. Ellsbury, Gardner, Ara, rod McCann, Beltron. Those are the guys who's going to carry this lineup. It's not going to be Steven Drew, so... Uh- but and it also, stop, you know, it
2: starts though with those two guys that you mentioned getting on base. I mean, Gardner's yeah. had a, a, a absolutely, you know, this is, this is what we've come to expect almost, unfortunately, with Gardner, you know, kind of ending the season in, in a, in a, on a His down second are
1: so bad. He's
2: such a first half player. It's insane so hopefully you know he got a couple hits yesterday and you know hopefully that can kind of spur him on i mean the 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 whole team obviously went into that series slumping but came out of it as a team so you know hopefully that that helps uh ellsbury uh, you know to his credit you know kind of came back from that hip injury um you know whether it was a bruise or whatnot he he kind of bounced back from it and has been um in in the game Um, i'm glad he kind of just kind of mustered through it and and was playing so you know look we need those two guys at the top of the order doing well. The fact that DD is hitting at a much higher clip and much better uh, second half of the year at the bottom of the lineup is, is helping turn things over. Um, and so if we can get some production from from Drew, if he can. You know, 4 for 4 yesterday, ends the game at 2-0-1. Um, so, you know, maybe things are trending up. Maybe not. Maybe we will, you know we won't see him for another three weeks. Uh, but we will have Ref Snyder in there. You know when the when the rosters expand to to you know maybe alleviate that that long that long term uh, slump at second base but if it is happening. You know we'll we'll have Ref Snyder to go in there. So you know rosters expanding, we're going to ha- hopefully see more um, more guys on base.
1: All right. So as we mentioned, three in Boston this week. Got to take care of business against a last place team and. Um, you know, hopefully this offense can continue what we saw in Atlanta and sort of ride the ship out until we get the the big bats in the middle lineup back. Um, but, it, you know, until then, we'll talk to you guys next week. And, uh, Ross, hit me up for some drinks in downtown Boston. Catch you guys have, next time.
2: Have faith. Have faith. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Later. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go
0: Yankees. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop